Welcome to the Man on the Move. We are the only five-star rated podcast on Apple Podcasts. I'm serious. I, I can't find another five-star rated podcast right now. Hey, five stars. I, I'm still waiting for that one-star review and then for somebody to just get in there in the comments and just go off. We'll see what they say. I think it'll be kind of funny. I'm always asking for feedback and I'm not a yes man by any means. I'm always, you know, hey, what what do you like? What do you uh what do you hear and then uh, what do you don't like and what can I do better? So if you've got it, hit me up and let me know. Would appreciate any and all feedback, even the negative feedback. That's very important. Okay, so today's episode, and I get this question a lot. I call it the debtor's dilemma, the classic conundrum. Should I pay off my debt or should I save for my future? And in this episode, I'm going to give you three ways you can analyze this question and hopefully come to a, an answer that will suit you. Now, we're always thinking about saving for retirement, right? Or something out in the future. Maybe you're trying to save for your kid's college fund. Um, obviously, everybody wants a little bit of a nest egg. I highly doubt we'll be able to rely on Social Security in the next 15 years, not at least in its current form. So, you know, everybody's looking for a way to retire and have a little nest egg built up that they can live on and, you know, enjoy the good life. But what do you do if you have debt? Do you focus down on that debt and get it paid off completely before you start saving for your retirement? Well, if you go that route, it could be years until you get that debt paid off, and that's going to really set you back in terms of starting your saving for your nest egg and, and really going to set you back in terms of your, what you want to do for your financial goals. Or do you try to do a little of both? Do you try to pay off the debt a little at a time, maybe make minimum payments there and then scrape together some money out of your budget and try to save a little bit as well. And I don't know if you, if you do that, it just feels like you're not really investing what you should be doing on a monthly basis. And that's going to delay your financial goals. And that's going to delay what you need to have saved up in your nest egg in order to retire. So how do we look at this? What is the answer? Well, first we need to look at the situation. And there's no judgment here. It It is what it is. Was it Kinky Friedman that said it is what it is and it ain't what it ain't? We're, we're just looking at the situation here. And I'd like to kick off by asking, what is debt? Now, that's a somewhat rhetorical question. And you're probably going to say, well, debt is money that I owe to some people or to some banks. Uh, I owe for some cars. I owe clothes, shoes, college, a house. But I like to frame the answer this way. Debt is pledging a portion of your future income in order to have something today that you can't afford. Now, when you consider it that way, it's kind of harsh, but it is what it is, right? It's, it's along the lines of, well, I can't really afford the car I want. I want that $50,000 Ford Bronco, but I only have $5,000 saved up for a car. And saving $45,000 more, well, gosh, it's going to take me forever. I'm impatient. So I'll just borrow the $45K and pledge a portion of my future earnings so that I can drive that Bronco tomorrow, right? Well, 
that way of thinking, that way of debt, it's rampant these days. And in preparation of this episode, I did a little back of the napkin math. I calculate there's over 200 million Americans over the age of 21. So over the age of 21 means you're old enough to be buying cars, buying houses, using credit cards, sporting student loans, pretty much exposes you to all nature of debt, right? Well, 77% have debt of some kind. That's 154 million people. And consumer debt currently stands at over $17 trillion. You can't even fathom that number, $17 trillion. I really look at that and think, does anyone own anything? $17 trillion. Credit card debt, over a trillion dollars. And that's with interest rates over 24%. Auto loan debts, close to $2 trillion. Rates there, what, 5 8%? Somewhere in there, student loan debts, also over $2 trillion rates there, probably in the 5 to 8% range as well. And then mortgage debts, over $12 trillion. And current interest rates there, topping 8%. To dig in just a little bit deeper, unwrap the kimono, as they say, uh, 55% of those in debt have credit card debt. That's 110 million people. And 70% of those with credit card debt say they won't be able to pay it off this year. That's 77 million people. Things are out of whack, man. This is, this is really kooky. Man, we rack up all this debt, and then we start thinking about the future. Oh, gosh. We need to be saving money. We need to be investing. So, question. Todd, should I pay off debt, or should I invest in the stock market? And like I said, there's three ways that we can answer this question, and there's also a massive, massive asterisk uh, that I will share with you uh, after we look at these three points, so stay tuned. But before I begin, a quick story, a story about debt and why you don't really want to F around with this stuff. It's uh, It can get you in all kinds of trouble. One day I was doing a session in a studio I was mixing in Studio B, and there was a producer in uh, Studio A. He was a guy, he really fancied himself a kind of big wig, and he was uh, in the studio tracking with a band in, in Studio A. Dude was an annoying little bastard. He was always running around and talking loudly in the hallways, and he was really animated. Little short dude, a uh, little scrawny short dude, but he was always wearing shorts, and then he had these tube socks that he would pull up almost to his knees and then he wore these old school chuck taylor you know converse tennis shoes really odd looking dude and he drove one of those giant four-door mercedes v12 maybe like an s600 amg something like that the little dude was so short with these wiry little legs and he looked like an idiot in this giant car it's just one of those huge humongous luxury mercedes benz well, come lunchtime one day, everybody on his session started heading out. Lunch in the studio world is, is a really big deal. Um, every recording session starts at 10 a.m., and you have a lunch break at 1 p.m. on the dot. And at 1 o'clock, everybody hits the door, man, 
and they head off to these really expensive restaurants for these giant lunches that always left me really sleepy and barely able to work the afternoon sessions. But that's the gig, man. So at one o'clock, everybody is out. They're loading up to go eat. And this producer walks outside into the parking lot of the studio and his car is missing. It's no longer in the lot. And dude started cussing up a storm and yelling and screaming and causing a huge scene. He's screaming and yelling that his car had been stolen. He's running around cussing like a sailor and screaming and throwing a conniption fit. And he starts calling 911 to report his car stolen. Um, it, it was a, it was a whole scene. And eventually the cops show up and, and they take a report. And the whole time I'm thinking, there's no way that someone came into the parking lot of this studio at at noon on a Tuesday in Franklin, Tennessee and stole this guy's car. There's no way. And uh, I started telling everyone, look, this guy's either pulling some type of insurance fraud or his car has been repossessed. And everybody's laughing at me. No way, man. No way. And this was well before the days of uh, security cameras. There was no camera we could pull up to see what happened. Um, but they called the owner of the studio. He came rushing up there. He's really concerned. He's really embarrassed. Um, a client's car has been stolen. That doesn't look real good, right? So he he ran up to the studio to see what's going on. And eventually everything died down and, and everybody went to lunch. And I'm not on this session. I'm mixing by myself. So I, I go back into the studio and I'm I'm working. And then later I hear... Uh, that the police had returned. Uh, the cops were out front in the office with news. An update on the theft. The car had not been stolen. It had been repossessed. That's right. The repo man had visited the parking lot, just as I suspected. And the police left some pieces of paper with the girl work, working the office up front. It indicated that the car was at some kind of impound lot and dude could go by to retrieve his personal belongings by such and such a date. Uh, but the car was now in possession of a bank pending auction and a lawsuit for the balance owed on the car subsequent to its sale. And, you know, probably some astronomical fees and a tow bill on top of that. And whoops. Well, who's embarrassed now? I knew when he returned from lunch, there was going to be a scene. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But this this producer dude, he should probably be asking the same question. Should I pay off debt or should I invest? And what are the three ways we can answer this question? Well, first, let's consider this question analytically with math. Now, y'all already know I love math, right? If not, just go back and listen to episode numero uno where I kicked off the whole podcast with an episode about math. And I will say with this math, I'm going to be using big round numbers and I'm going to be referring to long, long term trends here. So I know someone is going to hit back on this saying my math is wrong or my numbers are out of whack, but we're talking broad terms here. We're talking round, big round numbers, and we're talking long historical trends. So let's look at this mathematically. Over the long term, inflation rides a little over 2% per year, okay? So let's call it 2% for easy math. Now, obviously, we're in a bit of an anomaly now, and uh, it might go back down soon. It might go back up soon. Who knows? 
Now, also historically, the risk-free rate of return hovers just around 4%, roughly 2% above inflation. Again, broad terms. Now, what is this risk-free rate of return you speak of? Well, it's treasury bills backed by the uh, military industrial complex of the United States of America, long considered, at least for now, a risk-free return. And historically, they run around 4%. So 4%, that's hardly anything to get excited about, right? You're only making 2% above inflation. So where do you go next? Well, let's look at the stock market. And the long-term rate of return there is a bit over 10%. Now that sounds better. And if you're earning 10% a year, you'll be doubling your money every seven years. Not bad at all. That's called the rule of 72, by the way. Check out the Substack blog for that post. So that stock market return is historically 10% or 6% above the risk-free rate of return. So the stock market provides what we call a risk premium of 6%. You take the risk and the volatility of the stock market in exchange for a 6% premium on the riskless asset, the T-bills. So this is how we can adjust for risk in the market. We look at a 10% return and, hey, it looks a lot like a 6% return when you adjust for the risk, right? So now we know some numbers. We have some data we can use. And we can safely say that now any debt with an interest rate over 6% should be paid off before you go investing in the stock market. Your interest rate on your debt being higher than the risk premium historically offered in the stock market. Conversely, one could argue that if your interest rate on your debt is under 6%, you're better off letting the debt ride, making your payments and pumping the excess money into the stock market rather than into the debt. This is where you'll often hear people with a mortgage rate that they got a few years ago that's in the 3% range clamoring on about how they'll never pay off their mortgage early because they can use the excess capital to invest in stocks. And it's hard to argue with them there, to be honest with you. A 3% loan on an appreciating asset like a house would be tempting to keep when you can take anything above your mortgage payment and put it into stocks. You're going to earn a 6% risk-adjusted return, a 10% real return or more over, over long term. Nothing to sneeze at there. Conversely, it's foolish to hang on to an 8% car loan thinking you're going to invest in the market and quote-unquote outrun that debt. It's also important to note that's a debt on a depreciating asset. People will try to beat math or outrun it all the time, but they never do. So from a mathematical or analytical point of view, I'd pay off most debt before I invest. Because most of the debt you're going to see is at a high enough interest rate. We're trying to trying to skim off what your minimum payments are and then take whatever extra money's in your budget and put it into the stock market. Long term, it's going to be a wash and you're better off just paying off the debt. Just pound that debt, pay it off, get rid of it, and then turn around and take it all and start investing. Investing in the stock market while paying 20% plus APR on a credit card is actually kind of foolish. If you're in that boat, you got to get rid of that credit card debt, man. That stuff will kill you. 
Okay, the second way we can look at this is from an emotional perspective. Debt comes in a lot of flavors, but the main flavor is, like we said before, you see something you want. Let's say that new car costs 50 grand, you got five grand in your pocket, but a $5,000 car doesn't really excite you the way the $50,000 car does, right? But it's going to take you several years to save up 40 grand, way too long to wait. So put the 5K down, borrow the 45K, and you pull that purchase from the future into today, right? Why are you asking the question in the first place, though? Should I pay off my debt or invest? Most likely, since you're now anchored to the debt, you you may have a certain degree of FOMO, fear of missing out, right? Once you bought the car, once you have the debt, now you look around, you see the stock market taking off, you see people making money in the markets, you read articles about big gains in stocks and bonds, and you think, "Uh uh-oh, I'm missing out on that. Or maybe you start looking realistically at your long-term plans and you know, retirement plans and the future and, and thinking about investing and you think, uh-oh, I'm probably missing out on the chance to retire one day, maybe sooner rather than later. But one problem, you've got this anchor holding you down, this huge car loan and probably other debt as well. Your fear, your FOMO, it's reasonable, it's accurate and, and well-centered. You are indeed missing out on gains that could secure your financial future for years to come. So the question becomes an emotional one. Can I be happy with less so that I can have more? Personally, I think car loans are dumb. I would never finance a depreciating asset. And if you want a master class in depreciation, look at the depreciation curve on a car. It's pretty gnarly. True story, I've always paid cash for my cars and I've never owned a car where I've paid over $9,000 for it honest truth. Nope. I'm driving the $5,000 car, not the $50,000 car. Payments on that $45,000 car note, what, seven, 800 bucks a month? No way, man. I'm investing $700, $800 a month into the stock market and driving the not so fancy car. So from an emotional point of view, yeah, I'd pay off any debt before I invest. Okay, third way to look at this. We've looked at a mathematical view. We've looked at an emotional view. Now let's consider a philosophical view. As a debtor, you are a slave to your creditor. Full stop. For this reason, I choose to eschew debt of any kind. I simply don't want to owe anyone money, thus becoming their slave. A creditor would have a rope around my neck, forcing me to work or take other measures so that I pay them not only principal, but interest in return. And if I don't pay, well, they come and reclaim the asset, which I don't really own. They can sue me. They can take me to court. And in some cases, they can garnish my wages. We've all seen the bumper stickers, right? I owe, I owe, it's off to work, I go. That's not even funny. It's not cute. I don't know why someone would stick something so asinine on their car. But the stupidity of the American consumer knows no bounds. You can literally finance anything these days. I was in the mall the other day, and Victoria's Secrets had a sign. You could buy six pairs of panties and make four easy payments. Folks, you can now finance underwear. 
Why does any rube pay full price these days? Just split it up into payments, man. Shoes, clothes, anything. You can be chopping it up into the payments. No, not me. I'm 100% debt-free. I owe nothing to no one. I can be happy with less so that I can have more. So, from a philosophical view, I'd pay off any debt before I invest. And then I'd refuse debt going forward. Now, an asterisk. If you have a job where you have access to a 401k, it probably means you have a company match. Usually a company will match you 100% if you contribute 3% or 4% of your salary into your 401k. I'd take that. I'd take the 3 or 4% free money in the form of that match. It's part of your salary, and I would not leave that behind. But I would invest the minimum amount you can do to get the match, and then from there, I'd go pay off the debt. Once your debts are all paid off, you can come back in on top of that and invest more. And in a future episode, we'll talk about that strategy, how to line up your investing based on your financial status, what to do first, what to do second, what to do third. We'll cover all that in a future episode. So going back to the stolen car guy, when, when Duke got back from lunch, he let everybody know that this repo thing was a mistake. The funny thing was it looked like it dropped a meatball sub in his lap. He had his khaki shorts were just horribly stained. <laughs> it also been drinking at lunch as well. That was always a classic when the producer went and got drunk at lunch. Um, but he's running around making it clear that he would be filing a lawsuit. He's going to sue the bank. He's going to sue the repo company. He's going to most likely sue the police as well. Hell, he might even sue some of the people standing around listening to him blabber on in the parking lot, but he's going to sue somebody by God. Shut up, dude. Pay your car note. Don't get in debt. Next up, it's a somewhat related topic. How do bonds work? If you've not been paying attention to the bond market, man, it is a Charlie Foxtrot over there, let me tell you. And we'll look at what's going on. We'll talk about how bonds work, and then we'll look at some possibly great opportunities for investment there. So you don't want to miss that one on the next episode of the Man on the Move podcast. Again, music here by Colehead. Check it out on Spotify. Colehead has told me that he's on Spotify now, so you're going to want to go there and check it out. As always, thanks again, Brooklyn Addison, Ron Boyd Media. And remember, get out there, get on the move, stay on the move, get with the man on the move. I'll talk to you soon.